and her backpack and her books got brought back. Mm. And I felt like my legs were going to buckle out from under me. And this sweet little Saved by Grace book um, was the first thing I grabbed. And I just started flipping through it. Oh, and here's my here's my baby. Oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. First Peter three eight. She wrote that. Well, she. This is her Bible. Yeah, that's her Bible. Yeah, yeah. It says, yeah, right let's. There. Yeah. So um, they, you know, would practice verses, and this just happened to be the one I just opened right to before we went to this meeting, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Evelyn, yeah, thank you for showing me that. Yes. That is Katie Dickhouse. The mother of beautiful Evelyn Dickhouse, who was a victim of the Covenant shooting here in Nashville, Tennessee. And today on the Carlos Whitaker podcast, Katie is bravely sharing her story. We get to celebrate the life of Evelyn. Uh, We get to celebrate a lot of who she was, but we also get to lean into the hard. This is a hard and holy conversation that I'm grateful that I can trust um, all of you listening to. So we are joined today by three incredible women, Katie Dickhouse, Annette Lake. Annette is looking through the window of gun violence through a different window than Katie, but into the same room. Annette lost her father, Kenny, in March 2001 to suicide. Um, And then she lost her son, Terrence, in January 2002, less than one year apart to suicide. Her father and her son. And Annette is going to share her story, and she's going to really help us, I think, empathize and walk with somebody who uh, suicide has ravaged and come into their lives in a way that she doesn't want it to come into anyone else's life. Uh, And then thirdly, we're joined by Aaron Rogus, who um, is part of Voices for a Safer Tennessee. She is the senior policy advisor uh, for the Office of Former Senate Majority Leader, Bill Frist. Aaron is a lifelong conservative, and she is so helpful on the policy side of things. Uh, This is going to be a two-part conversation. Today, we get to hear from Katie and Annette and a little bit from Aaron, but next week, After hearing this conversation, I'm going to give all of you an opportunity to ask some questions and ask these questions that I know may be pressing. I know that a lot of us, you know, come from, especially these, these issues, uh, we view them from different angles, from, from different uh, points of view and perspective. And I need to let everybody know that all of you are welcome here. One of the things that the Insta Familia does so well is our mantra, which has been our mantra for about four years now but that we don't stand on issues, we walk with people. And again, that doesn't mean we aren't passionate about issues. That doesn't mean we don't have perspective and opinions on issues. That simply means that we get to listen to understand people that may view the issue differently than we do. And so this is what I ask today. I ask that you listen to Katie and Annette's stories 
and you listen to them just to hear them and just to appreciate their bravery in sharing a story, uh, a tragic story that they hope by sharing will lead to other people not having to experience their story. We don't stand on issues. We walk with people. And today's episode is all about walking with Katie uh, and Annette. And again, we um, are going to be leaning into the voices for Safer Tennessee, what exactly it is. We'll talk more about that in the conversation with these incredible women. And we're not only going to be talking about voices for Safer Tennessee, but we're going to be, you know, looking at suicide prevention in Tennessee as well, not only in Tennessee, but all over the country or the world, wherever it is that you may be listening to. So just know that this conversation, we do touch on some things that could be triggering for some people. And I need to let everybody know from the very beginning, that if you are experiencing any form of uh, thinking about ending your life, there are lifelines available to you right now. If you're in the United States, you can call 988 right now. And there's free and confidential support uh, for you if you're in distress. So just know that uh, from the beginning of this conversation. And I'm not going to spend too much more time. I feel like these stories are going to do what they need to do uh, without me really lending my opinion on things. This isn't a this isn't a conversation that has a lot of my opinion. Uh, this is a conversation that has a lot of me listening to understand. And so, without further ado, would you please, friends and family, here at the Carl Whitaker Podcast, lean into this conversation with Katie Dickhouse, Annette Lake, and Aaron Rogus, as we do everything we can to make sure they are heard and things like this never happen again. Okay, podcast familia, uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, and, and honestly, what I feel like is a very reverent conversation that I'm going to be able to have with some new friends of mine uh, sitting around the table. Uh, we've got my new friend, Katie. Katie, just say hello to the podcast hello. audience. There she is. Uh, we've got Annette, say hello to the podcast family. Hello. Yes, yes. Two, and then the third one is Aaron. Just give us a good hello. Hi, everyone. Yes, yes. And I'm just grateful that we're going to be able to lean into, you know, some holy and hard things. You know, uh, I think that this conversation is going to really help, which is what we're trying to do, help people, I think, actionable things, but also to find hope. Uh, because I'll be honest with you, I see hope in everyone's eyes in here, even if it may be buried a little bit, there's hope there. And so Annette, I would love for you to begin. You uh, lost your father, Kenny, yes. um, to um, mental illness and to suicide. Yes. And, uh, and then you lost your son, Terrence. Yes. And so why don't you just kind of begin and lean into the conversation and let us know a little bit about your story. Okay. Um, actually, in 2001, March 21st, 2001, my father committed suicide and uh, he just walked into a closet, took a shotgun and basically blew his face off. Wow. And it was devastating, hard to hear probably one of the worst days mm. I'd ever felt before, right? Yeah. So I knew 
he was kind of a loner type yeah. person. So he'd retired. His life had changed. So it was a life change event. And uh, he just seemed a bit lost. Yeah. And uh, to hear that was painful. Ten months, ten days later, January 31st, 2002, my 17-year-old sweetheart mm. took his life. I don't understand why. Yeah. And I didn't, and I still don't take blame or anything for mm. that. I understand mental illness. Yeah. It's hereditary. Wow. And it is something that we walk by every day and we don't see it coming mm. because we are all very good at putting a face on for what the day holds or yeah. what we have, you know, planned and you don't know. Wow. what's behind it. So that day, January 31st, mm. 2002, changed the trajectory of my entire life. I am not the same person. Mm. And I'm stronger, mm. yeah. <laughs> stronger than I thought I would be. Because I found that in looking at my family members mm. and myself and our history, that it wasn't, it was there all the time. Wow. It was there all the time. And you say it was there. Meaning me mental illness. Okay. Mental illness was there all the time. So it can appear in different ways, drug addiction or constantly depressed, just having mm. a pessimistic attitude. And we don't know that that's yeah. what's going on. But more than anything, with both those incidents, how it changed me was, you know, what could I have done to have protected my son from doing what he did, yeah. right, from taking his life? What should I have done differently? Because I didn't know. I didn't think about what a gun in the house would do. Mm. I didn't even realize it was there. You know, I'd never paid it. It was like out of sight, out of sure. mind, never thought about it. So just knowing that if I could change anything mm. other than being more aware about mental illness yeah. and how it can be masked is how to secure any type of firearm because you never know mm. when that turn will happen. Yeah. Can you tell me, tell me a little bit about Terrence? Oh, boy. <laughs> Terrence was... Uh, football player. Oh, okay. What position uh, did he play? He was tight end, okay. defensive end, and I'd love to see him hurt oh. a quarterback. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a football fan. I am, and uh, I watched him play basketball, baseball, oh. all of that. You know, yeah. he was he was uh, an athlete okay. from the time he was five. So being part of that for all the years in the cold and in the, in the winter, in mm -hmm. the rain, mm -hmm was just part of life, you know, and just watching him grow up um, to be a young man. I was waiting for the opportunity for him to be an adult so we could mm. really, you know, connect in the sure. way you do after you get past that you do what I say do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, face. It was more of let's share in your mm. living and, yeah. and what your plans are for life. And he was a complex person. Okay. Uh, from the time he was small. Mm. 
in kindergarten, his uh, teacher told me, she said, Terrence has a way of whatever mood he's in, mm-hmm. he takes the whole class with him. <laughs> <laughs> if he's in a good mood, everybody else is in a good mood. Yep. But if Terrence is having a bad day, we're all having, we're a, bad all day. having a bad day. <laughs> So we had some early on struggles mm. that signs were there. You know, um, yeah. he he was uh, having problems in school, second, third, well, about fourth grade. And I put him in a program called YCAP. Okay. It's sponsored by the YMCA. Mm-hmm. And it was really developed to help kids that have uh, struggles in school mm-hmm. and discipline because my form of discipline was not working. Okay. So I decided to seek help with, you know, what can I do because I'm trying to save my kid. I don't want him to end up being labeled mm. in any way. So going through that program made a huge difference. It did. You saw it. I saw the difference because, it, you know, they taught us about rewards and recognition and things like that that, you know, we learn from our parents' parenting, and that's not always the best way. Sure. So it did help him, and when he was 14, he graduated from that program and uh, started working with the, at the Y, Okay. which was good because he liked to work out. Yeah. And, but, you know, those were some signs mm. that I didn't know, you know, were there that yeah. he was having struggles with how he managed through challenges, yeah. you know. But we, we thought everything was good, and he was going to school and— Playing football, he yep. had offers from different schools because he, he, you know, not the big schools. That's sure. what he wanted, right? But there were major changes uh, that happened his uh, senior year. Okay, that I think, in looking back, mm. that affected him. He had a longtime girlfriend he broke up with. His coach, who had been with him the entire time at Antioch, moved to a different school. Okay, so he got a new coach. They didn't get along at all. Mm. And there were some challenges with with some of the other things, you know. And he had he was very outspoken, mm-hmm. and, and he did get that from me. <laughs> 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 so uh, he would challenge uh, the coach from time to time. Yeah. And this one particular time he did, and they put him off the football team. Okay. And I was going to the school and wanted to get him back on the team. And he said, "No, mom, you can't do that." They it makes it worse. Wow. You can't you can't go to the school and do that. So by the time January rolled around, he was not playing football mm. and he was concerned about what school he would go to because now he has a coach that's not promoting him sure. or supporting him. So those are the things that I see looking back. Right. Into his story. Into his story. So all I can say is for me, awareness okay. of Mental illness, gun safety, all of those things are what we should be focusing on as people. Mm-hmm. You know, wherever you can see someone that's in need, yeah. we should help. Yeah. And we should put things in place to help protect mental illness. Because I remember as a kid that there were facilities available for people who had severe mental illnesses uh-huh. and that's not there anymore. Yeah. So when we walk by or we drive by and we see people walking down the street speaking to themselves or yeah. they're homeless or all of these things, we assume that this person did something, mm-hmm. but they didn't. 
necessarily, right? right? It could have just been the way they were designed and needed medication, someone to talk to, or they just hit a bad place in their life and just couldn't get past it. Yeah. Because I felt that way. Wow. After losing Terrence, I was ready to go myself. Wow. But I made a decision that I'm not going to do that. Mm. I'm going to take this pain Mm. and help someone. And I was offered that opportunity. I didn't see it myself. My Mm. pastor actually reached out to me and asked if I would speak for Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network, TSBN, to the African-American church. So it was to bring awareness or awareness into the church that we can pray for each other, Mm. but there are other tools available to us yeah. that we need to use. Pray for me, but get to me some to someone who yeah. has the knowledge and the skills to help me get to what I need, whether that's more conversation or if it's medication uh-huh. or if it just is, you know, that I need to take more walks, whatever that is. Sure. Right. Sure. Just get me to a place uh, that I can be better. And so when he asked me to share my story, it was terrifying. Yeah. To say the word suicide was, it took me. So that was in 2010 is when okay, I so spoke. Okay, th- so this is This eight is years. several years yeah. later. Yeah. And uh, to say the word was, mm. it was like choking. What, why? Almost, because it hurt. Mm. <laughs> And it will always hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Because to know someone Oh my God. It's okay. There's no coming back. There is no reverse button. And he was my only child. So what do I do with this love? Mm. Where do I put it? And there is no place Mm. with suicide to point your anger. Yeah, yeah. Because you're angry. But you cannot push that on other people, right? So when it's an illness, you can be mad at cancer. Sure. You can be mad at heart disease. You can be mad if there's someone else that does something that takes your child's life or someone you love. But when it's them, you can't be angry at them Mm -hmm. because they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And because of the pain, because that's what suicide is, Mm -hmm. a person trying to escape from pain. pain. Yeah. Because the pain is real. Yeah. And what's amazing to me is we have a heart Mm. that's buried inside 
our chest walls. Yeah. And usually when you feel that pain, it's a heart attack. Mm -hmm. But how is it emotionally? Your heart can hurt so badly. Mm. And it's never touched. Mm. I don't understand that, but I guess that's called the soul, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's that's the part of us that's the soul. Yeah. So I just hope if there is anything and I can say or do mm. to influence anyone to save someone from taking their life yeah. or the life of others yeah. in the process of trying to escape that pain that my words fall on those ears mm. and then those that are willing to take action yeah. uh, to make that change happen. And it doesn't take much. Sometimes just a hello. Mm. How you doing? A for real? For mm. real mm. from the heart. How are you doing today? Yeah. Not just how you doing. Yeah. You know, but really be prepared to listen. Yeah. When they tell you. When they tell Thank you. <laughs> yes. When they tell you. Because mm -hmm. when you say for real, now all you've done is you've dug deeper into a place that probably nobody's actually gone. Exactly. And yeah. sometimes people are just waiting for that. Yeah. You're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're just waiting yeah. for it. Hey friends, did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? and take about 20,000 breaths a day. Now there's a whole other conversation about not spending 90% of your time indoors, but since we do, uh, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air. And in some cases, up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what do we do? Well, friends, I got one for you. Ready? This is what you can do and what the Whitaker family does as well. Upstairs humming in my living room right now is our air purifier called the Air Doctor. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants to our lungs so that our lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria that makes us sick. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. What you got to do is head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code HUMANHOPE. You'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers exclusive to podcast customers. You will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code HUMANHOPE. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That is insane. So listen, instead of doing all the busy work yourself, right? Like scheduling, searching, browsing, doing all the stuff, let Indeed do it for you, okay? Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. Check this out. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it does it for you literally. 
5K, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the more you browse Indeed, the better it gets. Listen, join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash human hope. Just go to Indeed.com slash human hope right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash human hope. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for, um, just thank you for being who you are um, and for um, doing what you're doing. There's people listening to this right now that needed to hear you, uh, needed to hear that. And for those that are listening that literally as you're sharing that story, something, a frog got in their throat because they're, they are now thinking, oh, okay, so I do know, so my daughter or my sister or my husband or my aunt or my friend or my coworker, maybe they're, maybe they are struggling. Is it as simple as giving them the statement to say, how are you doing? Like just that simple, like, like, are there steps people should take when they know that now, wow, I've heard Annette's story and I know that I've got somebody in my life that is struggling with mental illness. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some things that they can say or do? I would say that asking that question and then mm. really having your ears ready to uh-huh. hear and being available. Mm. You don't have to have the the solution. Right. Just, and I think that's that's what people think that they've got to have the answer for them right away. You don't. Mm. You don't have to have the solution. Yeah. Just be there and helpful. Try to help them find the direction yeah. right yeah. you know for me it was my healing started once i started telling my story yeah yeah uh in tennessee suicide prevention network uh i've had the opportunity to share my story multiple times mm-hmm. and it's just been a long time yeah. in between time of me really talking about it so it really sure. hit a place that yeah it, it hadn't in a while, and it during this season, mm-hmm. from it, the holiday season and coming up upon up on the anniversary, yeah, I can generally, you know, have been able to get through it because mm. I focus on other things. Yeah, but to go back to your question, it is really about being authentically there. Mm. When you know or you see, because yeah. our eyes have to be developed. You know, we yeah. have to be aware, awareness, yeah. self-awareness, even when it's yourself, right? Some mm-hmm. we we tell, oh, I'm fine, I'm right. good, right. you know, I got this. Yeah. You know, but in in reality, we know that yeah. we're going to the dark place. Yeah. And uh, getting yeah. help in whatever form that is, uh-huh. that is what the best thing we can do for ourselves and yeah. our family and friends. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I, I I feel like uh, there are people that are listening right now that um, you've, you've probably saved some lives. I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. I certainly hope so. And and the, the piece of, of listening without needing to have a solution is, I think, vital. So you are a beautiful uh, soul and 
your your son's soul shines through you and the strength that you have. And I actually just see as I, and hopefully this isn't too forward, but as, as I, as I sit here and I look at you, I do see such an anointing for healing and, and, and your story is, is just about to explode even more. And there's going to be so many people that are affected because of your bravery. So thank you for being brave. And thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity yeah. to really bring me back to what, you know, what my calling yeah. I feel is my calling yeah. as painful as it is to yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, somebody has to. Somebody has to. And if that's me, then that's mm. that's Annette. Yeah. <laughs> Annette. Annette. Wow. You know, we um, this conversation, uh, it, it was a gun with your family members, you know, uh, and you talk about if you look back thinking like, gosh, if there was a way to store to store it and I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a dad. I um, am not a policy expert. I um, try to learn as much as I can. But that does seem like something uh, that everybody can get behind. Yes. And and, you know, my I, I had we have we still have guns, and, yeah. but they're locked away. Yeah. And. Every many people in my family are hunters, and yep. you know I don't I don't want to speak on that. Sure. I just know that for me, if if you, if I have a gun, uh-huh. if we have one, just put it away. Just put it away because you never know. Kids are always mm-hmm. in and and in, in this climate that yeah. we're all living in now. You never ever yeah. No, because our kids don't tell us, right? Mm-hmm. They, it's just like, oh, here she comes, or no, I don't want to yeah. talk about it, yeah. or they bury it, or they yeah. tell their friends, or they tell no one. Yeah, you know, so you you need to always protect them from themselves yeah. because you never know whether yeah. it's a child or an uh, an aging parent, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. It can go in absolutely, and for me, it did go in both directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. powerful. Um, and so I, I, again, at the end of this conversation, just so everybody knows that's listening, uh, I'm going to give you resources from the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network so that if someone's listening to this, and even if you're feeling it yourself, hopefully Annette's story uh, and some of these resources can help. Katie, you're sitting next to Annette. You unfortunately have been bonded by something that I don't know and I don't understand, but to see you reach over to comfort Annette in the midst of you trying to find comfort yourself is uh it's our babies it's your babies yeah you know katie um start sorry tell me about your baby oh. <laughs> first of all annette yeah. thank you yeah we're just getting to know each other and our stories and thank you you're beautiful yeah and strong yeah and you don't even know it, but I'm already looking up to you. Mm. So thank you. You're welcome. Oh, um, and I'm so sorry about yeah. your baby. Mm. I'm so sorry. Mm. It's kind of hard to like kind of jump right into mm. Ev. I'm going to be honest following yeah. that because there are there's so many layers. Yeah to things happening yeah. today. And you know what? We don't have to jump right in. No, I will. Ev. But I just want to say that where um, I think we will kind of circle back to that because um, 
I do occupational therapy and I work with kids. Mm. And so I have a, a passion for um, all ages kind of struggling, going through things in a, a variety of ways. You mm. know, it's and um, mental health is it's such a big umbrella yeah. that I I don't think people can truly grasp unless you've lived through it. Mm. And if you are living with an individual going through it, and I think it's often easy to just, I say easy, it's not the right word, but just taking it as this big umbrella where there's so many things out there in diagnosis, like, Mm -hmm. is it strong depression? Is it schizophrenia? Is it... Um, bipolar. bipolar is it personality disorder I mean there's so many and yeah. each one of those requires different approaches yeah. and they're not clear cut yeah and so you saying mm. you don't have to have the answers right now I think you know that it's 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 a lifelong road mm. for so many individuals and families going through this yeah so I just want this to be, I guess, a statement of, yes, my focus might be towards firearms, mm. but it's also not. It's right. all of it. Yes. It's yes. all of it. Yes. Because I will talk about my Evelyn, mm. but what happened to her mm. and to the five un- other beautiful souls at Covenant mm. Um it, the person that did this was troubled. Yeah, yeah. She had been going through things for a long time, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. I don't know details and I'm not gonna say I do, but the thing that I get so overwhelmed with and have been concerned about even before this happened, mm-hmm. I think as a lot of parents probably have felt, is that she was able to walk in and easily access yeah multiple firearms yeah and and here we are yeah so i just feel that again there's so many layers to this mm-hmm. but one thing i'm just so hopeful we can do together is help stop the bleeding yeah and there's ways we can do that so I will talk about my Evelyn. <laughs> um, my husband and I, we have two beautiful, amazing, driven, smart girls mm. forever. Yeah. And I always want to give Evelyn's older sister yeah. a lot of credit because she's incredible yeah. and everything she's going through is so much to take on. Mm. And, uh, they were close, incredibly close. And I think her sister, Evelyn's sister, would also appreciate me saying that Evelyn did get away with more than her. <laughs> She's the older sister, Ev's right. the youngest. Yes. And so um, they also were together all the time. Yeah. Um, tight, tight relationship. Evelyn... Uh, she just was a deep soul mm-hmm. <laughs> and we always knew that but um, it's pretty fascinating you think you do know everything about your child and then this happens and it's like wait I didn't realize you were that deep mm-hmm. um, 
She had a wonderful faith. Mm. She's very smart. Um, she just would come home and there would be a project due. Actually, this happened in March. There was a project. She came home like March 1st mm. and just went downstairs, got a shoebox, got some crafts, got some hot glue <laughs> after school and just started like making this beautiful creation. And yeah. I was like, what are you What are you doing? She's like, oh, it's for our Bible class. And I said, okay. I was like, well, when is it due? And she's like, March 29th. Mm-hmm. And she just had it. She did not get that from me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that did not come right. from her mother. Right. Um, but she just, and she, she was, she was, she was reading a lot. Um, her sister loves to read too. And um, in January, of this year Evelyn looked at me and goes mom like we're we're faithful people right we're kind of quiet about it but like we actually wanted the girls to go to covenant we did a covid switch um Evelyn did one year pre-k there and we loved it and we thought it was such a beautiful sweet school and they really celebrate each individual kid and then during covid we just had to kind of make this decision because we were running out of sitter options you know like so many families were kind of going through and we felt covenant would be a great fit for both our girls and it is Mm -hmm. and it was and i want you guys to all know that um covenant was a safe school yeah i want everybody to hear that too yeah um so we we took them there to help kind of grow their faith mm-hmm. along with continued academics and finding their own individual paths yeah. and and they they loved it and so i feel like covenant helped grow her faith even more my husband and i tuck the girls in every night each individually and we'll say our prayers he does his own thing with them i do my own thing but it's such a sweet time mm-hmm. And I actually had a parent go through a similar thing, say that she still tucks her kids in, that she has lost. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're doing that. Yeah. So we still tuck Evelyn in. Um, But I went up to tuck her in in January, and she goes, Mom, I am going to read the Bible this year. That's my New Year's resolution. And I go... What? Wow. Like, she, she's nine. I'm Not like, very driven. maybe maybe your mom should do that. Like myself, <laughs> I should maybe try to do that. And she goes, I just, I'm going to start reading it every night. And um, I have her Bible with me in my lap right now um, yeah. for the listeners. And um, anyway, she tabbed it. She's so organized. So this that. is a year. And then this is today. And she made it to Genesis 18, and she was like, Mom, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> and I was like, well, I am really impressed you wanted to try. Yeah. Um, so I tried to just tell her to, you know, if you want me to help you, yeah. I'm, I'm here for you, like, you know, just let me know. And it kind of fizzled. Um, but I didn't even realize um, she had been underlining mm. things in her Bible. And she underlined, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Wow. 
and she underlined walked faithfully with God walked faithfully with God mm. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord and then she underlined I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing mm -hmm. and I love this little side note too because again she had this little like fierce skeptical side too to sure, her you know sure. um, but it's just like I believe God can do the unbelievable and it's either A without a doubt B possibly C maybe you used to but no I don't know she put B possibly. She so did. she's like, I still am learning here. Let's see. You Listen, know? So, not, yeah. Yeah. And then um, wow. I tell this story um, often too that just one of the hardest days after everything happened was getting our school stuff back. Oh. Yeah. Um, we were about to go have our first meeting with some lawmakers and um i didn't we don't know what we're doing yeah. um this is a whole new world uh, both my husband and i are in healthcare, and her backpack and her books got brought back mm. and i felt like my legs were going to buckle yeah. out from under me and this sweet little saved by grace book was the first thing I grabbed and I just started flipping through it oh and here's my here's my baby oh there yeah, yeah. and it says finally all of you have unity of mind sympathy brotherly love a tender heart and a humble mind first Peter 3 8 she wrote that well, she. This is her Bible yeah, book. Her that, Bible, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, right let's, yeah, yeah. So um, they, you know, would practice verses, and mm -hmm. this just happened to be the one I just opened right to mm -hmm. before we went to this meeting, yeah. and I was like, "Okay, mm -hmm. Evelyn, yeah, thank you for showing me that. Yes. That's what we all need to do." She loved music, sports. She, she was a really good student. She would pick up in her classroom, but it was funny because the teachers would always tell us this, like, Evelyn's such a good helper in the classroom, helps pick up. And my husband and I would go, what, what about in your room? <laughs> and she would pick up a room, and I'm realizing I found out she was shoving stuff in a lot of places. So um, I've kind of gone, you know, I, I still go into her room every single day. Mm -hmm. But... um yeah, she had, had stuff just kind of <laughs> packed away. Um, thank you. And then the other thing that I just, in this again, um, was her school journal. Yeah. And I just was like this just message that we're um, mm -hmm. just trying to carry forward. And we have been, um, since everything's happened even more so, um, she wrote Tuesday, November 1st, 2022, my hopes and goals for November. <laughs> my goals for November are to finish my book project early, which I'm sure she did. Absolutely. And my book early. I hope I can have a humble mind towards my classmates. Another goal is to memorize 1 Peter 3, 8. Mm. I hope the Lord will be with me this November and then I can do 20 good things for others this month. Wow. 
Those are my hopes and goals for November. And she has a list of ways to be kind. She loves, the girls love um, Hamilton, the play. Yeah. And um, during COVID, like, they knew every, almost every single word. I was like, what in the, (laughs) I how, how? I mean, (laughs) um, give your time, give your heart, give your service, give someone something you made. It feels incredible. She wrote that quote in her journal, and it was by Lynn Manuel Miranda. And she wrote, ways to be kind. Someone sick, make a card. Compliment, remember birthdays. Lift others up. Follow directions. She put one time. I think that means first time. First time, We, we yeah. would say that to her girls all the time. <laughs> like, can you just listen to us the, the first, first time, time we ask yeah. and not the fifth? <laughs> Set example. Someone fell, help them up. Mm. Smile, help clean up. Mm. (laughs) Play with someone, the golden rule. Forgive. Hug your teacher. Lift others up. Have people rise in kindness. She just had such a good heart. Mm. Um, I think, again, I go back to as parents and we hear the news and things that happen and tragedies you know there's always this span of some deep worry Mm -hmm. Um, I am talking more of my personal experience but I feel this others can probably relate to this and then that worry kind of goes away Mm -hmm. and you just go on two years ago two and a half March 2021 there were some things down at the Capitol being discussed, being passed that would take responsibilities away from firearms. Uh And there was news of a road rage shooting in Nashville. And um, it was the first of many. Mm -hmm. Like on 24. Yes. I think I remember. It it was a while. It was because people have asked, like, was it this one? I was like, nope. Was it this one? I'm like, nope. It was before all of these. And um, I wrote the only email I've ever written to lawmakers. And it was in the evening when the girls were, after they had been tucked in, and I just was so overwhelmed because I just thought, what are are we doing? Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wrote an email saying, I just heard about this on the news. I'm very concerned. Somebody a witness compared it to feeling like the Wild West. Mm. And I said, please, let's think about what we're doing. And I wrote, I want to continue to raise my girls safely in the state of Tennessee. Mm. And I also said, do we really want to raise them like it's the Wild West. What if they're not quick to the draw? My Evelyn and five others couldn't be quick to the draw. I don't understand what we're doing. There is a way we can have our rights, (laughs) but also have the responsibility that's needed. It can happen. And 
I just feel that there are so many people that want to see something happen for the better. And I just, this is where this feeling of hope does come in. Mm -hmm. And I just know that so many people are coming together. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is also where I've joined in with voices early on. Um, My husband and I were doing meetings pretty shortly after everything happened. And I thought voices had already been established. And little did I know that they started three days after the Covenant shooting. And then I also realized we were doing similar approaches. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just have conversation. And where can we find a starting point to make things safer and better? And, and, And I am very, this is a, it's a big, big thing. And there are so many areas and levels of things that need to be focused on. And I understand it's a process, but this is also where I have appreciated uh, voices just trying to let's, let's get together and focus on what can we do right now, right now, again, to help stop the bleeding with all that being said to in Annette supporting, I am in full support of, we have to continue to help the mental health system too, Absolutely. but also in the right way mm-hmm. and understanding that families going through this, it's not just a quick fix. Right, right, yeah. It's not, Yeah. and so we have to continue to work towards that too. Yeah. Because like you said, I love what you said about the heart and the soul, mm. I mean, there's hearts are in there. <laughs> hearts, are, hearts are in there, and and Katie, it's to hear you and Annette. The reason why you're both sitting here is because it is a both and situation. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not one thing. It's not firearms. It's not mental health. And I feel like a lot of people would love to separate those. And it is blatantly obvious hearing your stories that it they overlap, they intertwine, they are connected. And so, you know, first first of all, also thank you for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. As you were reading in Evelyn's journal, the her 20 things, um, I I just, wow, what an incredible, incredible sweet daughter you have. And yes, too, (laughs) yes, sweet daughters you have, absolutely. and um, I, I just, uh, I, I was listening to what you were reading and um, just know that your, you know, your home and your other daughter um, mm-hmm. is, is filled with that. She taught us a lot today. She did. Uh, and it seems like her voice is going to continue to teach people. Um, so thank you for sharing her yeah. voice. Thank you um, so much. With us. Friends, when I was a kid, The vitamins my mama gave me, they tasted so good. You know why? Because it was basically just a gummy bear. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, filled with, get this, not one, but two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and all kinds of other gummy junk that growing kids should never eat. That is why Haya was created. 
Haya is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamins. Now listen, while most children's vitamins are filled with all that sugar, and all that sugar can contribute to all sorts of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes incredible and is perfect for your picky eaters. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide full body nourishment that our kids need with a taste that they are going to love. What exactly is in Haya? Well, listen, it's formulated with the help of nutritional experts. So it's pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, all sorts of other incredible vitamins that help support immunity, energy, brain function, and so much more for your kids. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so you have one less thing you gotta worry about or remember. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash Human Hope. This deal is not available on the regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash Human Hope to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Friends, I have a problem. The problem is my nose. Not, not the shape of my nose, but the fact that it works too well. I can smell things a mile away, good or bad. So thank God I found a brand new candle that I love from this incredible company called Notes Candles. Now listen, Notes has created a scent called Santel and Atlas Cedar that I burn every single day. It literally smells like I'm walking through a magical forest in New Zealand or something. I don't know why it's in New Zealand, but it smells like that. It smells so good. And here's the thing. Notes is actually solving another problem besides making my nose feel like it's in a good mood. They're solving the problem that the candle industry has that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills. So, Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again and again. So you don't become part of the problem. They've got incredible scents. Some of them are oat and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water. So many. So this is what I want you to do. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at Notes candle.com slash Carlos. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code Carlos. Just use code Carlos when placing your order. That's code Carlos at notescandle.com slash Carlos. listening to both of your stories and knowing that we have to stop the bleeding, which is before you can even worry about a broken finger, uh, if there's something else internal that's happening, you, we've got to stop that. And so the work has to be done. And um, Aaron, you're here. Thank you for uh, sitting through you and you and me both just sat and, and uh, witnessed uh, the, the beauty of, of hope 
that is in front of us. Uh, but there, ha- there does have to be some things implemented for, I think, hope to continue to grow and for us to see. And so, you know, Aaron, you uh, live in the policy world. A lot of people are listening to this going like, okay, well, what do I do? Like, like, how do I, you know, like Uncle Ted tells me this and Aunt Irene, I'm not quite sure why I picked Ted and Irene, but <laughs> if you're named Ted or Irene, we're not, I'm just saying, they, they, they look at this completely, you know, di- with different perspectives and they're telling me this and I'm telling, you know, and what voices for Safer Tennessee, the thing I love is that it is, it is, we do have a Ted and Irene in there together trying to come to solutions. And so, First of all, let me let me just start here. Everybody's just always hearing about the Second Amendment, and um, well, don't take away my Second Amendment rights or whatever whatever it may may be. What actually does the Constitution say about guns? Can can you? kind of start leading us into this conversation. Sure, and happy to. And and I just want to take a step back for a minute. Yeah. And Carlos, just thank you for even having us here to have this conversation. Yeah. These are exactly the important conversations we need to be having in these places where people are sharing their stories. And Annette and Katie, your words are so powerful yeah. and make me you know have hope and, and inspiration for the work that we're doing now with yeah. Voices for a Safer Tennessee. And I'm I'm the policy director yep. for Safer Tennessee, um, and just a little quick background on the Absolutely. organization. We're a nonprofit, nonpartisan coalition dedicated to advocating for pragmatic firearm safety laws and promoting responsible firearm ownership here in Tennessee. Yeah. And as Katie mentioned, uh, started in just a few days after the Covenant shooting. Um, just a group of concerned parents, mm. you know, getting together in a backyard, saying something's got to change you know what can we do differently and it really just grew from there to a thousand really engaged individuals trying to make a difference and you know now we have nearly 30,000 coalition members across the state in all 95 counties Um, and it's you know people from all walks of life it's republicans democrats independents you know there's not one single person that represents say for tennessee we we are you know, all all different people across the state. And, you know, myself personally, I'm, you know, a lifelong Republican. I've worked yep. in uh, Republican politics my whole life. You know, I'm a, we have a gun-owning family, mm. but feel very strongly there's a way that we can balance our rights yeah. with responsible public safety measures. Yes. And so, and so, Carlos, to your question of kind of what does the Constitution say? Yeah. So the Second Amendment to the Constitution, and I'll quote it here, yeah. it says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, close quote. And so, if, you know, for many years, kind of legal scholars argued what exactly that meant, mm-hmm. but there was a landmark decision in 2008, Supreme Court uh, in the District of Columbia versus Heller. I actually was living in D.C. at the time when okay. this came down, so that there is an individual right to own and bear arms. And so that has kind of shaped a lot of our firearm policy since that. But I think we have to remember that, as the Supreme Court has shown multiple times with any rights, you can put in place regulations for public safety. You yeah. know, we think about uh, our First Amendment with free speech. There are 
classes of speech that are, you know, prohibited. You know, defamation is unprotected speech. Fraud is unprotected speech. The incitement of a riot is unprotected speech. Absolutely. Uh, and the common thread here in all of these is that these types of speech cause harm to others. Yeah. Right. So, when we're looking at the Second Amendment, we I think we all agree. You, know, you want to be able to protect yourself. You want to be able to, if you want to go out and hunt or mm-hmm. engage in, you know, any sort of uh, recreational activity there. There's a long history of that here in Tennessee, you know, as um, and also to, you know, you know, fulfill what the Constitution has has written. Absolutely, people should be able to certainly po- purchase firearms. But when it starts threatening public safety, yeah, uh, when it starts becoming a public health crisis, which it is now today, it is in 2020. For the first time in our nation's history, firearms became the number one killer of children in the mm. country. It surpassed car accidents for the first time ever. Mm. That's, you know, that's that's serious. That's serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're clearly causing harm now. Mm-hmm. You know, forty-eight thousand, over forty-eight thousand Americans died um, from firearms in the past year. Uh, past year, and what a lot of people realize is the majority of those are actually suicides. Fifty-four wow. percent nationwide, and a similar number in Tennessee, percentage-wise. So, you know, there are three policies that we at Voices uh-huh. for Safer Tennessee have supported that uh, and that we're advocating for that we found people from both sides of the aisle, Republican, Democrat, independents, exactly, um, support. And also have data, clear evidence in peer-reviewed studies that show that these can work mm. and reduce death and injury from firearms. And so those three policies that we're advocating for, the first is temporary transfer laws. um, And that would allow law enforcement, loved ones to petition the court to potentially restrict, you know, to restrict access to firearms for for people who are posing a threat to themselves or others, right? It's It's a situation where someone is in, you know, if they're in a mental health crisis, you realize they've made a threat or they seem suicidal, that you can then take steps Mm -hmm. to remove firearms from their possession, prevent them from purchasing firearms for a limited period of time. This also serves as rights for attention, right? So that when these individuals, they can get the opportunity to have treatment, you know, get to a better place so that they can, can still retain their Second Amendment right, but, you know, prevents them from you know, as Annette said, you know, unfortunately, suicide's permanent. Yeah. It's, it's it's something that you can't come back from. Yeah. Our other two policy areas, safer storage, so stronger firearm uh-huh. storage laws that really require owners to provide secure storage and, you know, report, report lost or stolen firearms. You know, a shocking stat that I think I learned this past year that I didn't realize is that Tennessee is number one in the nation for firearms stolen from uh, vehicles. Really? Yeah, and so this is, it's, we've seen it skyrocket, kind of dating back to 2013 when we passed the guns and trunks law uh, that allows individuals to store firearms in, you know, unoccupied vehicles. And then with several other laws passing later on, we've just had a lot more individuals having them in their cars. Mm. And unfortunately, people just sometimes forget to lock their doors. Sure. A lot of it's just individuals going and trying door handles until they can find one that's open and going through the glove compartment. and. You know, we're center console, we're under the seat. And, um, you know, in Nashville uh, this past year, 80% of firearm thefts was from was from cars. Vehicles. So, And unfortunately, when firearms are stolen, they are disproportionately and much more likely to be used in criminal activity, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, we're, and, it, and then you know, used in these in shootings. And yeah. So 
passing some laws there where mm-hmm. you have to securely store it in your in your vehicle where it's separately locked in yeah. your glove compartment in your trunk in your you know out of sight you know that's one thing that yeah. you know, we could potentially make a difference right Absolutely. people accessing it right away um and you know we are also third in the nation for unintentional shootings by children wow kids finding their parents With gun access. in the nightstand and Again, I know public safety, you know, we've seen a change in why people are purchasing guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the 90s um, or into the early 90s, the vast majority of firearms purchasers uh, are individ- who are hunters. Yeah. They, they were using it for sport and recreation. That really changed, particularly in, starting in the 2000s. It's really switched now to public safety. People are concerned for their own safety. They feel like they need to protect their families and they have that right to do that. And I know now with secure storage, we sometimes will get pushback with people saying, well, if I need to access it quickly, if I have an intruder in my home, if it's locked up, I can't get to it. Luckily, technology has advanced a lot. Yeah, We have quick access safes now where you can, you know, with just like a fingerprint, open it within seconds, right? So you're going to be able to quickly access it and at the same time prevent your kid from quickly accessing it. Yeah. That's another thing, you know, we'd like to see that kind of a requirement. And then our final uh, policy that we're advocating for is expanded background checks, you know, across all firearm purchases. What a lot of people don't realize, and these are all, you know, you, you talk to voters, um, Republicans and Democrats, Republicans, this has even, even just Republican primary voters, this is 80 plus percentage, yeah. you know, support for. When you go to purchase a firearm today, if you go to a gun store um, or Walmart or Bass Pro Shops, you have to go and throw a background check just uh-huh. to make sure you're not a prohibited purchaser. So what does that mean? You're not, you, you aren't convicted of a, fe- a felony. You're not a domestic abuser. You have not been involuntarily committed uh-huh. or deemed essentially incompetent by the, the right. court. That's currently. Yeah, that's yeah, currently, okay. right? So you go in there and so if any of those things pop up, you won't be able to right. purchase the firearm. Now, uh, in Tennessee, we don't require background checks, though, for gun shows, for okay. private sales. So I can go post my firearm in a, you know, just an online forum and yeah. go meet a, you know, meet a stranger in a parking lot and sell it to them. And I really have no idea what their background is. Right. And that's very, it's, uh, and there's nothing, there's nothing saying that I would need to run a background check. And there's ways to do that easily. Other yeah. states that have universal background check requirements, you can meet at a federally licensed, um, a federal firearms dealer at you know, the gun shop. And they can run a quick background check. It takes usually five minutes or less to mm-hmm. do so just to ensure that you know it's not falling into the hands of someone who Absolutely. is a criminal, maybe has criminal intent. And uh, I think those are smart changes that um, you know, we would like to, yeah. know, that we're advocating for. Yeah, yeah. Those um, seem like common sense. <laughs> it seems that way. But I mean, maybe you can answer this. Yeah. You've worked in politics. Like, sure. what, why does it feel so impossible? Like, like, mm-hmm. like why, why does, uh, I, I hear, I hear you and I hear my new friend's stories. And I, I just think like a hundred percent of human beings that hear this conversation should just be like, of course, let's make it happen. What, what, what's getting in the way? So I want to acknowledge that any change takes time. Yes. Right. So when I said we became that Firearms became the number one killer of children in 2020. Yeah, that's because a we're seeing an increased number of children dying from firearms. Right, that number is increasing, but we're also seeing a reduction in children being killed in in car accidents. And why is that also happening? Because 
over decades now, we have put in place uh-huh. regulations uh-huh. to improve car safety, yeah. right? You know, we require car seats. We have airbags, seat belts, speeding laws. Yeah. All these things have taken years and years to put in place. And now we're seeing the results of that, of right. it, there being a decline. And for all those changes, you know, my, you know, I always, I'm 40. And so I, you know, my parents had a car seat for me, but they, you know, I'm sure you, some of us in the room have, yeah, maybe, you know, they didn't, <laughs> Not and, uh, you know, they, <laughs> there, that wasn't a requirement or the seatbelts. There was a huge pushback when people sure. required seatbelts and yeah. things along those lines. And so it's not going to happen overnight. And so, um, and so I think another reason it feels hard and is taking time is there has been, I think over the last two decades, increased polarization in the country. Uh-huh. A couple of things have contributed to that. I think one is where we get our news sources. Right now, you you know, previously everyone kind of would have watched the same, same thing. two or three evening news programs. We've had, you know, the internet, social media, 24-hour news cycle with cable news. Yeah. Now people have a lot more sources and we have a tendency to listen to the people that, you know, maybe have similar views to us. Yeah. And you know, the way the algorithms work, they will give you more of that information. Yeah. You are, uh, and it kind of creates an echo chamber where people aren't presented with differing views. And so it, it creates factions um, that I think are contributing to the- Absolutely. To these, this polarization. The other thing I think is we've gotten really good at drawing districts. Mm. We've got terrific technology where we can make a really safe Republican seat or a really safe uh, Democratic seat. And those lines are redrawn periodically, usually every 10 years. And it's gotten to the point now where there's very few purple seats. Mm. And now people are running really, the, the race to win is the primary. Okay, It's not the general election. So... You're not trying to appeal to the broad spectrum of individuals in your district who are voting in the general. You're trying to appeal to the polar ends of your, you know, who are the folks that generally show up to vote in that primary. So I yes. think that's pushed our candidates further to either side, whether or not they fully want to be there. That's where they kind of have to yeah. be to get elected now. Yeah. So I would say that that's kind of made made policymaking a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But to go back to your question, though, of why is it so hard, I'm going to say I do actually have, you know, your podcast about hope. Yeah. I have a lot of hope yeah. about this issue and uh, a little bit of my background. So I first started working on this issue back in 2010. Okay. I previously worked for members of Congress in D.C., one who was a Republican lawmaker who was very passionate about this issue. There are a few of them, <laughs> and we're trying to get more. But you know, his father was a police officer. He saw how the proliferation of firearms was mm-hmm. affecting you know, the safety of police, that yeah. they were being outgunned. And, you know, we would introduce the, we would be the lead on the universal background check bill in Congress. Um, we had several other fixes to try and increase background checks, reduce firearm trafficking. And, you know, we'd usually get the same five other Republicans sure. on it and it, you know, it wouldn't really move. And then in 2012, Sandy Hook occurred, the uh-huh. Sandy Hook school shooting. And it was just like, it felt like time you know, froze and we were just convinced something was going to change. Finally, like we've been working on this issue. We finally, you know, 
what is happening in elementary yeah. schools? This is we're gonna we're gonna see some movement, and then Congress did nothing, mm. and we you know I remember our office just being shocked, and um, and sad, and and then six months later I think some similar kind of mass shooting occurred, and nothing, and it just as you know obviously it's kind of continued and increased, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna say we're starting to see a change. Yeah. So last year, in 2022, yes, the Uvalde school shooting happened. Again, absolutely horrific. And we actually saw members of both parties come to the table on this one. Okay. You know, we had Republicans, it was led actually by a Republican in Texas, come together and pass the most significant piece of firearm safety legislation in nearly 30 years wow. in Congress um, in response to that shooting. Mm-hmm. Does it solve all our problems? Not at all, sure. but it's a first step, yeah. right? Covenant happened in March 2023. And we had, you know, Governor Bill Lee. He is a strong Second Amendment governor. I would say probably our strongest Second Amendment governor we've ever ever had in Tennessee. This was changing, you know, adding additional firearm safety regulations was not something he campaigned on. And after that um, event, he paused and said, yeah, we need to do something different. Mm. You know, he proposed an order of protection, um, which is essentially what, you know, temporary transfer, what we're advocating for. And when... The legislature wasn't willing to act on that. He called them back for that special session. Right, right. Did we get major wins out of that? No, but we saw some incremental progress. Okay. We had those conversations, and Republicans are still, and Democrats, Republicans and Democrats, are still thinking about that now going into the next yes. legis- this legislative session that started just started on January 9th. Right. So that gives me a lot of heart, right? We're yeah. starting to see change, yeah. and that's what Voices for a Safer Tennessee is here for, mm-hmm. is to keep... Um, that conversation going. We yeah. know this is a long haul. We know we're not going to fix it in these yeah. next few months. Yeah. But that's why we really want individuals to get engaged. And what they need to hear, there's a usually individuals who are very passionate about their firearm rights are generally a small subset ultimately of the voting population, uh-huh. but they're a very loud sure, subset. Yeah. Right. So if you're a lawmaker and you're getting all those calls, it might feel like your pot, your voter race is disproportionately uh-huh. in favor of something of this, of just really wide open, no restrictions. And we're trying to change that because we have these conversations in people's homes. Uh-huh. Um, we've gone, you know, we've had events in, uh, you know, Chattanooga, Lookout Mountain. Um, we actually have a conversation. We just had one in my home, okay. uh, you know, in Williamson County. And a lot of people want to see changes, yeah. but they just haven't. They haven't reached out to their lawmaker before. They don't even know necessarily how to do that. So Be- we because, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I ever have Bef- yeah. before, before covenant. I definitely have now, but I, I don't think people think that it matters. Like, mm. like d- does the phone call mm-hmm. matter? Does the letter matter? You write a letter. D- does it? Does it? Does it? But it, you're saying it does. It does matter. It does. Mm-hmm. It does matter. Yeah. Um, particularly when you're starting to hear it again and again. Yeah. Volume matters, Volume right? So matters. if you're hearing it from a number of your yeah. constituents, so just some tips about reaching out to your legislator, right? Because yeah. I would really love the individuals who are listening now who care about this, who heard Annette and Katie's story, and yeah. like, wow, I want to be a part of the solution. Solution. To take that time to contact your legislature, you can just Google the General Assembly website uh-huh. and it'll tell it'll give you a little, there's a little box at the top where you can look up who your legislator is if you're not sure, okay. entering your address, and it'll give you their email 
or their and their phone number. So you can call or email them, whatever you're comfortable with. Make sure you identify yourself as one of their constituents. Give them your address, uh-huh. you know, or in any other identifying factors that might make them um, be compelled to to want to listen to you. I know when I email, I note that I'm, uh, you know, a Republican because I have a Republican representative and um, that I you know, have been active in Republican politics, you know, that I vote in all the elections. Mm-hmm. Voting also matters. Yeah. I didn't realize this really, but they are, you know, a lot of elected officials will look at voting records and yeah. just see, okay, this person is emailing me. Are they coming to the polls? They have access to that data. Okay. So make sure you're actually showing up to those primary elections (laughs) because you know when they see because it's a small you look at the number you know what these they actually particularly in local and and state you know state senate and state representative elections the margins are winning by are so small so when they you see you're one of those people that's showing up to the primary to vote yeah they're like okay i need to listen to this person this person impacts impacts me so make sure you're doing that and you know, there's this perception that this is just an issue that matters in the cities, that this is just a Nashville, right. Chattanooga, Memphis issue. Not This doesn't affect Tennessee, which we're a majority rural state. Um, that's not true. Wow. Suicide in particular disproportionately impacts rural counties. Wow. You know, East Tennessee has a double the suicide rate of um, a Memphis, for example. And so this issue matters statewide. Yeah. Um, and they need, but the legislators need to hear from our rural voters as well that they care and so if you're listening right now in nashville but you've got family in a rural county or you've got friends or what please encourage them to also get engaged on this issue because we need diverse voices to make this point that this matters yeah if you aren't even sure what to say in your email and your phone call you can go to safertn.org our website Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of good talking points there a toolkit on how to engage and just even, and it doesn't, and if you don't even want it, you can even just say, you know, why you're concerned. Hey, yeah. I've just seen this happening, you know, just like how Katie did. I've seen these instances happening. It's concerning to me. I'm a, you know, I'm a mom of three. I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah. And just let them, you know, hear your honest voice. And yeah. that's what matters. That's what matters. And and so just so everybody knows, um, if you go onto the show notes, I'm going to have um, just information on Voices for Safer Tennessee on the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network, because it, this matters. It, it matters that, that the fact that the three of you are sitting with me matters. Uh, so thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, thank you for the stories that you're telling. I, I just, the example that you're setting and that you, you have set even for you and to see the longevity of the hope that you're throwing out. And and I can see the longevity of the hope that you're going to throw out is hopeful for me. So I'm, I am honored to have been in this room with the three of you. Thank you so much for your stories, for your work. Um, and, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to help. So thank you. Thank you so much for having us. And I also just, let me just throw in just everybody just coming together. Yeah. I think that is just, I think the discussion of polarization and I think there's so much fear factor being thrown out there coming off of COVID inflation, like people stress is. Yeah, it is. It's present, it's elevated, but I just, hope that this message and I have learned everything takes time with the multiple meetings we've had with lawmakers I'm trying to learn Mm -hmm. it takes a lot for me to not want to yell (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. and but 
you know, we do have to try to get an understanding of where this is all coming from and what can we at least find that point that we can agree on and work on that while continuing to move forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you for your message of hope because yeah. that's it's we need it and Absolutely. it's there. It's it is present and yes. la- it is. We have felt so much love and support and we just see that as signs of hope also. Absolutely. It's really out there and people are seeking it and want it. So yes, thank you for bringing us all together. You're welcome and thank you yeah. for that. I, I want to end with that because I believe it. I believe that anyone that's listening to this conversation, no matter what trauma or trial you find yourself in there is hope and i'm breathing it because of the breath that you guys are expelling into this room i love you all i do so (laughs) thanks for being here thank you thank you thank you thank you so much aaron uh, for that incredible um unpacking of what can be done And thank you, Katie, and thank you, Annette, for your bravery and sharing your stories. Your story and your bravery will impact myself and my listeners, I believe, for the rest of our lives. So, friends and familia, Insta familia, whoever is listening to this, uh, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? First and foremost, again, the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network. You can find out more information on them at tspn.org. If you are even remotely having thoughts of suicide, please call 988 for a free and confidential support and somebody that can help you in your distress right now. You can also join the coalition, uh, which is a newsletter to receive important news and updates on firearm safety in Tennessee. As well, you can always visit safertn.org to learn about all of the incredible ways that Voices for a Safer Tennessee is leaning into this issue and leaning into doing everything that they can with our support to make sure that things like this never happen again. Now, understand this. We have an opportunity. I'm giving you an opportunity to ask any questions that you may have for Aaron. Aaron has made herself available for the foreseeable future, honestly, but I'm going to do a question and answer podcast for those of you that may have questions about this. And Aaron is going to be our resource here. Uh, This is what she does for a living. And I'm super grateful she's going to. So here's what you can do Uh, on my Instagram this next week. I'm going to be putting up a question box where you can all ask any questions you may have when it comes to gun safety and gun legislation in particular. You know, I I know that there's many people that are scared, you know, that their rights are going to be taken away. I think very valid concerns. So any questions you may have, there's going to be a question box on my Instagram. You can also reply in a question on Spotify. Also, you can email Whitney, Whitney from Wisconsin, (laughs) Whitney at carloswhitaker.com with two T's. And I look forward to being with you next week on another episode of the Carlos Whitaker podcast.